Steve, did you say that Lamborghinis mostly sold in the USA are SUVs? Yes. Mm -hmm. A Lamborghini SUV? Yeah. That seems like a contradiction in terms to me. If I'm going to own a Lamborghini, I don't want an SUV. I want a Lamborghini. I know, but they make an SUV, and that model is a big seller. I got one word for you. Chevy Blazer. Wait, that's two. (laughs) But, I mean, that gets done everything that your Lamborghini SUV does. What, are you going to put the soccer team in your Lamborghini? I just don't understand that. You can't put anything dirty in there. I know. You can't put anything in there. It's like, no, it's a Lamborghini. Uh, But every now and then I've seen a... uh, a Porsche or a Jaguar SUV. Sure. I, I guess if that's your jam and you can afford it, uh, more power to you. Wow. Yep. I'll tell you what, though. If I've got a Lamborghini SUV, I also have a Lamborghini convertible or, you know, <laughs> car. Something yeah. I can pick up hot Italian chicks in. That's... that's Oh, oh great. <laughs> Good for you. That's my plan. <laughs> In case you're doing a little price shopping, I've just been informed that a Lamborghini Urus SUV, a Lamborghini SUV, $265,000. But we'll come down to two sixty-three if you got good credit. It's two twelve. Let's talk to Terry Savage. She is the nationally syndicated financial columnist who joins us on Wednesdays. And here we are on a Wednesday. Hi, Terry. That caught my attention while I was uh, waiting. I looked up, you know, if you get the lower end model of that Lamborghini Urus uh, SUV, it starts at only $237,848. Okay, it depends on the trim and the options. Yes, it does go up to $269,885. Wonder if they'll take my Corolla on a trade. Speaking of high class problems, mm-hmm. do you know there's some a headline in the news that reminded me when you started talking about Lamborghinis that we are um, we should there's a in Davos I think they're having a meeting of all the billionaires discussing the world's problems and so Oxfam the organization devoted to world equality of poverty or what or not poverty uh, said that within ten years we should see the world's first trillionaire who they think will be Elon Musk. Yeah, I uh, saw given, that. Although, although today there's a report, Inside Inside report, that he's asking Tesla board to for more stock to replace the fact that he had to sell stock to buy Twitter, which is another story. These are high-class problems. But here's a question for everyone. Mm-hmm. Who was the first billionaire? Who was the first billionaire? In, in the when? world? In the world? A billionaire well, would have been... Well, it would be in America. Okay. It was, I'll give you a hint. America. Well, let me guess. Warren Buffett. No. no, 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 uh, Rockefeller. You're right, John, you're so cool. It was John D. Rockefeller in 1916, Standard of Oil. Wow. Standard Oil, you know, now there are like lots, I don't know how many billionaires there are, there are lots of them. I even dated a couple. And um, that was always my goal. Really, you did know. you say that? Did you yes, just I say really that? Yes, I really did. I did, okay, I said it. You know, I'm the money lady. I'm supposed to do stuff like that. But the thing is, billionaires... Now, in the age of tech and all these tech bubbles, tech booms, I mean, I should say, have become sort of as commonplace as, as millionaires. So when John Rockefeller became the first billionaire in 1916, that was truly, truly extraordinary. Really. I wonder what and the... Now, uh, I'm, now you know could I'm... we go back to the ordinary problems people have called, no. Wait, when I do I take do... Social Security? Wait, and how, I want to do know? something. Hey, Pete, what's a billion dollars in 1916 relative to 2024? So 108 years later, if you have a, a billion dollars in 1916, that might have been the equivalent of a trillionaire. 
You can hear her clicking away now, <laughs> Googling what is a billion dollars Thank worth God in 1916. Um, the inflation calculator, $1 billion in 1916 is equivalent to, in purchasing power, to $28 billion, $141 million, et, cetera, et cetera, today. That's jump change, yeah. really. Well, then that does say and, something and about the expansion people. of the first 1%, because there's plenty of people in America with $28 billion these days. Our governor <laughs> has $28 billion. Wait a minute. Right. The world's wealthiest people. Here we go. Jeff Bezos has, wait, well, let me just try and find the numbers. Bill Gates. And if you do, though, the Walton family, that's insane. Let's see. Billionaires. If you lump them all the together. Them. Uh, Elon Musk is $229 billion. So, you know, we were talking about $28 billion. So, I don't wow. think so. Wow. Elon Musk, 229 Let me just keep going. Incidentally, one uh, last Bernard thing is Arno we're on of, this rabbit hole of radio. Yes. Um, the Gilded Age, great show. Oh, what fun. I just started watching that last night. Oh, my gosh. Um, I you think know, I'm hooked. Maybe because there's so much distance between that era and this one. It's sort of set in the Gilded Age that you you don't find it as offensive. It's just entertaining to see these insanely rich people with homes that are gigantic and staffs and they're fussing about and and ruthlessly undercutting each other. It's uh, very, it, and it's exactly. really well done. It's really well done. Okay. Well, it took me three, I mean, actually, we've been to three episodes last night till I could really get into it. It seemed cartoonish to me, mm -hmm. but I guess it is a reflection. The second most wealthy person, 179 billion, Bernard Arnault, uh, the f Jeff Bezos hey, with Terry. 177 billion. We got to do our show now. I, well, we're talking money, but the point I'm making is oh, okay. there's a real point here. Oh. Does it matter at that point? That's no. the question. If you're happy, I, I want to pose this to you because everybody's wondering why we're dancing around talking about billionaires and maybe a trillionaire. If you're healthy and you have enough money so that you're not staying up at night worrying about it, and if you can help your kids when needed, is there a definition of enough? I'm not sure, but I, I think I have that. Well, you know the number that I write down a lot is it's two, it's $2 million. Because I think the average household income for the last several years has been around $50,000, say. In my earning lifetime, household incomes have hovered in, in, below and now above 50000 But I say 50000 for math's sake. If you have $50,000... Uh, life is not easy, but a lot of people are living on about $50,000. And if you did that for 40 years in your lifetime, you would have $2 million. So when we hear it about... It went through your hands. It, it went through your hands. If, if we're talking about baseball players that are you know, getting a $2.3 million contract for a year and they're not even that good, or a billionaire like Elon Musk, remember that most folks will have maybe $2 million in their lifetime, in their lifetime, in their earning You're lifetime. You're not talking about having, John. You're talking about a pass through their hands. Do you know, I regularly get big PR releases from various companies that say 77% of Americans could not handle an unexpected $600 bill sure. without putting it on their credit card or may not even have enough room on their credit cards. So the point I guess we're making is everything is relative and um 
and I that you don't have to have a hundred million. So to these yeah, dum-dums who are squandering vast enough. sums of money or the opportunity that vast sums of money represent. Boy, I'm on my high horse now. I think Go. it's shameful. We're out of time. The average household income in America is now $75,000 or so. So if you were fortunate enough to make that for 40 years, my number shouldn't be $2 million. It should be, I guess, $3 million. 45 years ago, Roy Spencer started Permaseal, basement systems, working out of his apartment. He had a F-150 pick-em-up truck. Today they've got, well, let's see, over 500,000 people they've helped in the greater Chicagoland area. Boy, they're helping a lot of folks these days with all their services. Permaseal would like to thank all of you that have trusted them. And they assure you that your trust is well-placed. You can trust Permaseal to use only their own professional employees who will respect you in your time, in your home. Trust that they will deliver the best value using fair book pricing so you don't have to negotiate. And trust Permaseal to always stand behind their work and their word. In January, they're celebrating with the 45th anniversary sale, offering 10% off all their services or up to 24 months of interest-free financing. This means crawl space encapsulation, structural repairs, even the new attic insulation service. Does that sound attractive right now? They do waterproofing too, of course. Be sure to call by the end of this month to get the great savings on the great deals Call 1-800-421-SEAL, 1-800-421-7325, or click on permaseal.net. Terry Savage is joining us for what in just moments will be a radio show about your money. (laughs) Hi, Terry. All right, you're in charge. No, 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 no. I find this all engaging, but I can do this. We need your expertise on a few things. We talked to Ray Kaplan recently about FAFSAs, the college form you fill out to get into school or borrow money to get into school. Um, Do you have any wisdom about that? Yeah, I think this is really important for families of seniors uh, in high school who are now making decisions based on the financial aid package they hope to get from each college to which they're admitted. It's also important to anyone else going back to school. In a move to make FAFSA simpler, easier, more electronic, uh, they wound up delaying FAFSA, uh, the emergence of the form for this year. Usually it's in September. Now it started December 31st, January 1st, since the beginning of the year. That meant they crowded in millions of people into the first immediate wave and the whole website actually slowed down and then had to be shut down for a while. So they did succeed in simplifying FAFSA. They made some changes, some of which are important to middle-class listeners. They made it easier for lower-income people to get more aid. They did a significant change that really hurts families with two siblings in college. They no longer ask about a sibling, so that means that you don't get as much extra aid for Hmm. having two kids in college. Um, And the form, if you're interested in it, go to terrysavage.com. But the critical ingredient here is colleges can't get their aid packages together until families fill out FAFSA. It's easier because it automatically downloads your tax return. It automatically download, gets the tax information for anybody who's kind of a, a contributor, ex-parents, ex-spouses, for example. So that's all in there. But the point is, things are backed up. And if you have a child or a grandchild, maybe you're listening, who is going to be in, in college this fall, they have to get 
going on the FAFSA as soon as possible. Start early in the morning or late at night. It's easier to do now, right. but getting through is tougher. You uh, also saw the uh, Andy Cohen story about how he got ripped off. Um, I don't have time to go into all of the details, but what are some of the red flags based on what happened okay. to Andy Cohen? Um, there's a new kind of fraud. I wrote a column. It was posted, uh, Fraud versus Scams, on TerrySavage.com and in the Tribune a couple weeks ago. Since then, Andy Cohen, the uh, the great creative guy who came up with Beverly Hills Housewives, the housewives, real housewives of everywhere in the world and so forth, uh, revealed that he was a victim of this new kind of a fraud. And the message is basically... Even though you pick up your cell phone and it says your bank fraud department is calling you, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Chase, whatever it is, do not believe that. They are not calling you. Do not give out any information, even if they say, we're just checking on a, you know, a $500 charge at a Walmart in Georgia or something like that. Do not talk to anybody who calls you purporting to be from your bank. They gain access to your phone. They forward your phone. So when the bank tries to really check to see, uh, and they're in the process of moving money out of your account, you never get that message. Because you participated, it's a scam, not a fraud, and they're not obligated to give you your money back. I am now working with the FBI on this. They've been tracking this kind of a thing. This is going to be a headline story. Just the messages. Don't answer texts. Don't answer phone calls purporting to be from the IRS or your bank or a financial institution or your credit card company. Call your bank directly. Hang up. Call your bank directly on the toll-free number that's on your online bank statement, on your paper bank statement, yep. on the back of your credit card. They have buildings Do not too. take incoming calls or texts about your bank, your tax return, or anything like that. John Williams with Terry Savage, the nationally syndicated financial columnist. We've been waxing on about billionaires and millionaires and folks like you and me. Uh, Terry, we do have some questions from listeners. You ready to roll on these? Absolutely. How much of our investing should be in our 401k? I am 56 years old, says 847. As much as you possibly can, because all those investments will grow tax-deferred. Of course, at the other end, it will come out taxed as ordinary income, so you don't get the benefit of those long-term capital gains tax treatments. But it's important that you save enough, especially to get the match from your employer. And this year, the, every year, they expand the amount you can put in your 401k, so it's a good time to go into the HR department and say, Tell me, should I be putting more in to get the maximum contribution? And you won't miss that extra $75 or $150 a paycheck. You know, it's gone. If you don't see it, you won't spend it. And it'll be working for you in a tax-deferred way. So the max possible. That does not mean, however, that you might not want to invest outside your 401k plan, whether it's building up a cash reserve in T-bills or a money market account for emergencies, no penalties for using that, or whether it's actually saying, you know what? I've noticed XYZ is happening. I'm going to buy that stock. I think I'm going to hold it forever. Gee, if you had done that, um, when when you first noticed Amazon, for example, you would have made a lot of money and the taxation would be long-term capital gains tax rates, which are significantly lower than ordinary income withdrawals from your 401k. I wonder if this um, listener is assuming that 
There's an unlimited amount. Uh, what isn't it like twenty three thousand dollars or something yeah, like that? Uh, I can look it up, but um, very few people, except top executives, run up against a problem of not being able to deduct enough from their paycheck uh, and contribute the max to the four hundred one k. Full Social Security retirement age for Americans born between nineteen sixty and later is sixty seven. Terry, why hasn't Medicare eligibility changed to sixty seven? Also, Shh, don't why, tell them. <laughs> why can't I continue to pay into an HSA if my retirement age is 67? What are they talking about here? Uh, well, a couple of things. First of all, uh, let's not tell them, you know, that uh, since they've moved up the Social Security age, uh, the full retirement age to 67, Medicare is going to have its own problems with financing. The way they're trying to work Medicare financing is different than the changes that they'll make and continue to make in Social Security to keep it solvent. So Medicare is solving, trying to solve its problems by turning everybody into Medicare Advantage where reimbursements are limited and care is, is managed. Medicare enough, starts at 65, right? And Medicare starts at 65. Now, you don't have to take Medicare Part B until you retire and no longer have insurance. So you probably want to delay paying your Medicare Part B premiums and Part D for drugs until you do retire. So that's why Medicare is still at 65. It hasn't been deemed urgent because most people would prefer their company paid insurance. And so they don't jump into Medicare Part B until they do retire. What was the other part of the question? Uh, let's see here. It was two parts. Uh, why hasn't Medicare changed it to 67? And why can't I continue to pay into an oh. HSA if my retirement it, age is 67? It's just one of the rules. Once you once you uh, reach Medicare age, you can turn to remember the specifics of the rule. But... I think it's once you take Medicare age, let me, I'll have to look it up. You can no longer contribute to a health savings account at your work. Uh, um, I, I, I want to double check that. I, that's a, a tricky one. This listener turns 70 next month, filed for Social Security online in December, got a text and an email from SSA instructing me to call and gave me a specific person and extension. I Googled the number and it came up, SSA. Is this legit or is this bogus? I'm trying to think back to what you said about the call. Why would they call you? What was the reason uh, for received the call? a text and email instructing me to call, and they gave a specific person and extension. No, I don't think so. That's another one of those things you don't want to respond to. If you need to find out about Medicare, go to Medicare.gov, create your account, and sign in. Do not respond to text asking you to contact, or phone calls asking you to contact a specific um, And this number. is Social Just Security, it. but it, would you imagine the same thought process applies? Yeah, unless you're in contact with Social Security about an issue. I just... This is like spreading like kudzu, that weed that goes everywhere. Yeah. These frauds that are revolve around, this is an important update to your insurance, to your health care, right, to your right. Medicare, Social Security, yeah. and so forth. It's interesting because we all want to be proactive about it. You want to interact with these agencies or, or, or banks, but you're afraid to because you just don't know. I Absolutely. And, and, and it's not like you can just walk into the Medicare office at the corner. But if there's no, a... But, but the point is you can go online to Medicare.gov. You can call the toll-free number for Medicare, which you'll get at Medicare.gov. They have access to your account. Do not be responding to call this number, extension X. Speak to right. Ms. Jones. Don't, don't do that. 
312-981-7200. Betty, uh, what can we do for you? You're on with Terry Savage. Hi. Hi to both of you. Uh, I have a question regarding the FAFSA and the uh, financial aid for college. Uh, my daughter and my granddaughter both and I both all live in the same building. My daughter is my executor as well as uh, my powers of attorney for both. I have her consequently on my bank accounts, checking and savings. And as she applies uh, for FAFSA, she works for nonprofits. So, uh-huh. I mean, she's not up in the higher echelons. Um, will my income at all or my savings or my checking account balance have any connection with her application? That's really That's a, a good, good question. question. I assume your social security number is on that account, right? The, well, yes. Not hers. <laughs> She's not, no, no. Listen, she may be the beneficiary. She may have your power of attorney, but the account is in your name or is it in a joint account with her name, but your social security? Um, I'll have to check. Right. If it's just got your social security number on it, that won't be counted as her assets. But I will tell you that maybe the thing you want to do is create a revocable living trust and make her your successor trustee for a dozen other reasons. Um, I'm sure she has your health care power of attorney, too. But um, yes, she is my trustee. I have a, a trust. You have a trust, but okay, but that trust uses your social security number. None of those accounts that use your social security number would be, I'm sure, would be considered accounts that would be counted in FAFSA. In other words, okay, if, if it doesn't have her, if it doesn't have her social security number right. attached to it, then those assets won't be counted against you. Is is Terry's expectation. against the family and the financial yeah. aid when and, they have to disclose fully all their assets? And right. if I may, uh, I just know two names and numbers I'm going to give out. One is Peck Ritchie. Carrie Peck is an attorney who's very good about um, powers of attorney, estates, accounts. PeckRitchie.com for Carrie Peck, PeckRitchie.com. And, of course, Ray Kaplan at the Kaplan Law Firm is also good on all student aid financial forms. And her phone number is 312-294-8989. We have a club. I still want to do an event with Ray and Carrie and myself and you moderating. I have not given up on that idea. Yeah. I'm going to call Wintrust and tell them we need to do that again. This wouldn't be the first time you've brought that up to them, but I want, you keep plugging away. You keep plugging we're, away. We're your helpful team, right? You really are. Uh, this is Spence. You're on WGN with Terry Savage. Spence, how can we help you? Uh, you guys really appreciate all the insight and the information. You bet. Thank you. Uh, my wife is a retired teacher and I'm still working, is it possible that I can set up a 401k for my wife uh, with her Social Security number? No, 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 no. Spence, stop. Your wife could have an individual retirement account. Go to the bank or call Fidelity. She could make contributions to an IRA out of her income. Or it could be, actually, frankly, it could be out of your joint income in a joint account. It doesn't matter where the money came from. As long as she's still working, she can open up an individual retirement account. 401k is something your own employer does for you. Good luck on that, Spence. Here's another question. 847 asked Terry about tax issues concerning the high rate of CDs right now. Is there some special concern about that, Terry? No, 
my mother always used to say, don't ever complain about paying taxes. It means you made money. So yeah, you're earning a little bit more on interest this year. Probably not enough to push you into a higher tax bracket or a higher Medicare bracket. Um, you'll just get a 1099. And by the way, all those 1099s, let's just make a quick point here. All those 1099s will be coming in now in the next two weeks. They have to be sent out from uh, from uh, people that paid you money in by the end of the month of January. So in the first week of February, you'll get 1099s. Where you won't get a 1099 and you must go print it out is at treasurydirect.gov. If you had T-bill interest, and they paid you, you know, you bought T-bills. Uh, savings bond interest won't count until you cash them in, of course. But if you bought T-bills, you don't get a 1099 in the mail. You'll get an email saying, check your investor inbox at treasurydirect.gov. If I, did, I happen to do that today, those uh, 1099 forms are mm-hmm. not out yet. But be on the lookout for, and they typically do come in the mail from your bank, you earn this much interest, which is what brings it to mind uh, from your brokerage firm. If you have capital gains, you bought and sold stocks. Be on the lookout for all the income that these companies are reporting to the IRS. We sent Mrs. Jones $7,412 in bank CD interest. You have to put that on your tax return. If you don't, you're in for a giant hassle. Terry's got more answers for your questions. 312-981-7200. Let's get you more business news with Steve Grzanich. Start your timer. It's time for the Wintrust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. Itasca-based Acertify has been sold to a private equity firm by American Express. Details of the deal haven't been disclosed, but the company was being shopped around for between $800 million and $1 billion. American Express bought Acertify in 2010 for $150 million. Its technology helps retailers prevent credit card fraud. Private equity firm Excel KKR is the purchaser. Acertify has more than 300 employees, including about 150 in the Chicago area. A developer has secured more than $500 million in construction financing for the two-tower development at the site of the former Chicago Spire project. Developer-related Midwest says the first phase of the project will include a 72-story, 635-unit apartment building at 400 North Lakeshore Drive, along with a park and pedestrian path connecting the Chicago Riverwalk to the lakefront. Completion of phase one will likely happen in spring of 2027. A second tower will be built after that. I'm Steve Brzezanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute. Here's some business of food with Steve Alexander. Yeah, thank you. And yesterday on the Business of Food, I am sharing the story of farmer Scott Lagrid, who has a massive collection of caps. Roughly about 114,000. You know, the baseball trucker type caps that he is hoping to find a home for. Scott inherited the caps from his late father, and he is the end of the line when it comes to not only the caps, but the family farm near Frost, Minnesota. So if you're interested in getting those caps, and maybe you own a museum or a truck stop or the like, let me know and I'll pass it along. Uh, but this caps story is not the first time you've been in the news, is it, Scott? No, no. His other story has to do with a dump truck and a dog, which he will share after I thank the Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com for sponsoring us today. There has never been a better time to put a Silverado in your toolbox, especially because they have great heaters. Scott was driving a truck. My single axle uh, dump truck down the gravel road and a dog ran out in front of me. Leaving him with a decision to make. And I swerved to miss the dog. Ended up going down in the ditch, no seatbelt on, and flipping my truck end over end in midair. 
Wow, what an image. How did that turn out? I ended up with eight broken ribs, broken shoulder, broken collarbone, two fractured vertebra, a concussion, a couple of big contusions in the head that took many different staples to fix and a punctured lung. Oh my gosh. I hope that dog appreciated your sacrifice. And this happened at a bad time for Scott. It was August with soybean harvest and then corn harvest after that just weeks away. But this is another of those great stories from the heartland where neighboring farmers stepped up. Yep. Uh, Different ones did my bean harvest and different ones did my corn harvest. Yeah, it's nice to have neighbors like that, isn't it? Yep. That's how it is, you know, pretty much all the time. If somebody has a emergency or if they have something bad happen everybody else helps them get through it the best they can yes sir and i'm glad it worked out for you scott okay again if you are looking for some baseball caps i know a guy on the food calendar it's national hot buttered rum day and if you're a do-it-yourselfer it's national bootleggers day I'm Steve Alexander. That's the Business of Food on 720 WGN. Take more questions, Terry? Absolutely. One quick thing back to that HSA. Yes, but when you hit 65, you are eligible for Medicare. That means you are ineligible to contribute anymore to your HSA. You can take money out, though, without penalty. What do you suggest for Roth IRA investments? All stocks, all bonds, a mix. I'm retired. I'm 64. Diversified portfolio with traditional IRA and taxable brokerage accounts. Okay, look, part of that is what your whole picture looks like. It's why I have that link to WealthRamp on my website at terrysavage.com. I get nothing out of that. WealthRamp connects you with fee-only fiduciary financial advisors who can help you decide, look, this is money that'll grow tax-free and you have other money here, so maybe you should do this with it. I can't just say 50, 40%, 60% stocks. It's not about your age. It's about your entire financial picture. It's not about getting advice on your stock investments at this stage. It's about getting advice on how am I going into retirement? What will my sources of income be? And which place is, should it be? So that's why wealthramp.com or click the link, uh, find your financial advisor at terrysavage.com. I don't get paid for that. I just know that Pam Kruger set up a site where she carefully vets all of these fee-only fiduciary advisors who sign a pledge. Your, your interests come first. One of these days, let's put one of those people on. Oh, one of those, oh, they're, yeah, there are dozens of them in the, okay. in the Chicago area. Let's sure. talk to Ann now. You're on WGN Radio. Ann, how can we help you? Hi, I have a, a question about a CD paying a 4.2 for 14 months versus a savings account that pays 4% but can change at any time. Yeah, well, if you're willing to tie it up for a year, a little over a year, take the 4.2%. Is that that's a you know I'm I'm thinking out the, is the uh, interest rates going to go up is that I should oh, have savings accounts yeah. interest rates have ticked up in the last couple of days it's why the stock market's down a little but in general if the Fed has its way and beats inflation you would think rates would go down I think if you can lock up the money for 14 months not all of your money but some of it that's a nice rate that's Terry Savage TerrySavage.com is her website. She's the nationally syndicated financial columnist whose new book is Social Security Horror Stories. You can find it all at terrysavage.com. Next week, let's do more of this, Terry. Absolutely, John. Thank you.